Welcome, O listener, to another episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug. This is episode 101 of the podcast, and we have another great discussion lined up for you. This week, we mostly stick to the topic of Shroud of the Avatar because, of course, it was recently the launch party for that game. The actual official launch is coming up in another week or so here, but the launch party was held in Austin, Texas just recently. Deathblade Dragon was actually there on the ground, and he sends in his thoughts in the course of this episode. And some of the other regulars share their thoughts on Shroud of the Avatar itself and how the game is shaping up. Also, just a reminder, we are now hosted on Anchor.fm, a new and much more social podcast hosting platform. So you can find us at Anchor.fm slash SSSH podcast and take advantage of some of the neat community features there. You can leave us voice messages up to a minute in duration, give our episodes applause, and even send in your thoughts via the discussions tab as you're listening to us thereat. If you're listening to us thereat. And as always, this episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug is brought to you by our Patreon backers. Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast and the Ultima Codex by that means. And as always, a hearty thank you to our co-producers, Seth, Dominic, Chris, Violation, Adam, Eric, Thorwan, Pascal, Helgriff, Aaron, The Hearth of Britannia, Edward, Stirring Dragon, Cranberry, Slegnor, Bruce, and Christopher. And now, enjoy the show. Alright, test test. I think I've got this figured out. Wonder if I have time to get a couple of turns of Civ in. <laughs> I tend to avoid Civ because I my favorite one I think was Civilization 3 and that game especially if I played with friends or anything like that could last weeks. That's probably because I don't like the uh, like automatic win stuff. I don't like Oh, you've you've gone so many times. And you've you've built up your your uh, your tech base all the way to this point. Well, you win automatically. There you go. No, no. I I wanted I want to defeat everyone. You just have to go for the uh, domination victories. Yes, I must rule with an iron fist. It's uh, it's the only evil thing I can do in video games. Is if I'm that far removed from that far removed from the bad, I can I can become the evil overlord. Otherwise, I am absolutely incapable of being a bad character in games. This is forced upon you like Grand Theft Auto. Right. So my yeah. wife actually challenged me to, like, she she's going to make the decisions in Fallout, and I'm going to play. Oh, oh, the pain. Because <laughs> uh, my wife can be vindictive to video game characters. She's the kind of person that makes an entire family of Sims just to see all the different ways that she can kill them. <laughs> and she piloted my character's decision choices in like uh, in Fallout, and oh, I've never felt so dirty. She's she can definitely be the uh, the uh, the renegade option every time. Yeah, I started a Baldur's Gate two playthrough to try to do the evil side, and then after about two sessions of playing, I was just like. Eh, maybe not. Also, I didn't have the mod that lets you skip that uh, the initial dungeon, and God, that's long. No, I never finished the first one, therefore I never actually got to uh, I got around to trying the second one. It's kind of like Neverwinter Nights. Never bought number two because I got I never made it past like the third chapter in Neverwinter Nights one. And every time I try I try again, I start all the way over. Like this, the, right now I'm trying to play it with my wife, and she wants to 
which is always a, a great tug of war. She wants to be an evil character. And I'm always a good character. <laughs> so I keep doing, I keep like running ahead, doing different things that end up changing the alignment. She's every once in a while, you hear cussing from the other side of the room. Who did what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we played, I think we're getting, we're on the second chapter and we still only ended up like playing like once every like three weeks now. So it's very slow going at the moment. Right. Yeah. I, uh, have started Knights of the Old Republic like four times as it's just that first planet is so slow going that by the time I get close to done, then like I get a new computer or something or I started trying to play it on my tablet to see if maybe I would actually get further in it because I don't have anything else really to play on the tablet. But uh, then I got a new tablet and it's just, eh. I know it's supposed to be genius and, and everything, but uh, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, made it to the Jedi Academy. I became a Jedi, and I think that's about as far as I got. Yeah, no, I haven't even, in any of those playthroughs, I never made it off of the first planet. Like, it's just a Black Isle Bioware thing. It just, the start of the game is somehow three times longer than it needs to be. So much of the time. Yeah, and there has to be, like, a, there has to be a good narrative that just keeps drawing you back in. I... I think my favorite for just pure story when it comes to like RPGs and all that kind of stuff have to be the, the scum games, the monkey Island mm. and Indiana Jones and all and, and those. Cause those just keep, keep me interested for some reason. And I still cannot quite put my finger on it. Why? So I went back and played through uh, full throttle. And remembering how to play, remembering the little secrets and all that kind of stuff, going through the the, the new version that they put out, the the, rem- the remastered version. Uh, I think I got through it in just a couple of hours, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that, but I did not realize how short that game was because the first time I played through, it was you know all the puzzle solving and all that kind of stuff. But I had no idea that you know my memory would be well enough that I would just kind of breeze through the entire game. Right. Now, if it were only that easy with Ultima 6. Uh, Speedrun manages to do it in like under an hour, doesn't it? Oh, I don't want to do a speedrun. I want the full, you know, I want the full (laughs) experience. I want to go through the game and uh, interact and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I keep getting lost. Of course, this is also partially because I'm trying to play it with my my son, who's a bit of a spaz, but he, he likes playing anyway and we end up more often than not just running off into the wilderness and getting ourselves killed but it's uh, I, I, I I constantly try to steer steer my kayak so to speak uh, through his trepid waters and <laughs> trying to get to go in the right direction all the time it's a lot of fun though but uh, it when you're doing that when you're doing the crunch and when you're doing the uh, the, the combat it does seem to take a long time. Especially in Ultima 6. That's what I'm talking about. Ultima 6. <laughs> you know, Ultima 7 seems to go a lot faster, but that's also probably because combat in it is just a frantic free-for-all. Also, you can turn off the uh, frame limiters and just let it go. Well, with Exalt. Yeah. Well, um... Anybody want to say anything about uh, Soda's imminent launch? 
unfortunately, I kind of hopped on here just seeing if there was anything to talk about that I knew anything of. But uh, the subject to hand seems to have been the uh, Shroud of the Avatar and its release, which I haven't done a darn thing with. Well, my exciting news is that I went to the Shroud of the Avatar release event. Um, so that was pretty cool. I met Merrick Dragon, which is awesome. He's been on here several times. Um, probably the highlight of the event was actually hanging out with Scotty Jones for probably a good half hour or 45 minutes just talking about stories. So if you're ever, ever, ever interested in storytelling, Scotty Jones is the guy you should meet because he's a fantastic storyteller and a really cool guy all around. Of course, I also met Richard Garriott and got him to sign my Ultimate 7 box. So that was freaking awesome. Um, and uh, got alongside the two, which was pretty great. Overall, it was a great event. Um, it was cool meeting a whole bunch of people. I was nervous as hell as I expected I would be. And basically, my whole journey to this point started when I was 12. Got Ultimate 7 uh, from my uncle. And here we are, 21 years later, and I've finally actually met Richard Garriott. Uh, we're about ready to officially launch Shroud of the Avatar. That sounds like you had a great time. I've I've never actually been to any of these kinds of conventions. Uh, well, except for maybe some general fantasy conventions and med fairs. There's really not a whole lot that I do as far as running out to uh, big social gatherings like this. Yeah, it's not generally my forte either. Um, especially the amount of traveling it took. And I literally spent 12 hours, no, sorry, not 12, I guess 14 hours. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a day and a half of travel to do something for four hours and turn around and go back. Uh, ouch. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you had fun doing that four hours. Yeah, I'd say it was worth it for sure, but it was definitely pretty painful as far as the traveling goes. <laughs> I was supposed to leave the day before, but then we got a nor'easter um, on Tuesday. And so I tried to get to uh, Hartford, Connecticut to try to get a plane there. And that didn't work out at all. So I ended up rescheduling my flight Wednesday morning. Got my car out of the snowbank, drove to the airport, flew to Georgia, flew to Austin, went as fast as I could to get my rental car, get over to the motel, check in, and then get over the museum and then hung out there until almost midnight and then uh, went back to the hotel, slept for three hours, went back to the airport, got on an airplane and flew back and drove home. So uh, were there any big, uh, I mean, other than the release, any special announcements, any, any surprises? There really wasn't, which kind of surprised me, but I guess the two the two trailers that have since been released on YouTube um, had some things in it that they've never shown before, although they haven't really jumped out at me as to what yet, but there's some apparently a few things that should come as a surprise when the release happens, so I personally don't specifically know what they are. Um, and there's apparently a lot more backstory than we know about in the talking with Scotty Jones about it, so that was pretty cool. It's not too outrageous, but it's pretty interesting, and I'm sure we'll hear about it officially at some point in the future. I have just a question for you, oh, yes. uh, for the community. Um, with uh, Shred of the Avatar uh, almost 
definitively out now. Do you plan to devote time to playing it as a release? I started playing release 51 uh, right now, and I've been very pleased with the recent uh, developments in the game. Uh, the story in solo mode is very reminiscent of what existed in previous Ultimas. Um, the stories are great. Uh, we have so far in the starting uh, in the starting uh, sections um, good questioning about uh, virtues. I tried the starter quests uh, of courage and the one of truth, and both uh, both uh, paths, as they are called in the game, are very interesting. Um, they, uh, I may enter a couple of spoilers, uh, so beware of that. Um, in both quests, you are presented with a starting situation uh, that seems very, uh, very simple. Uh, attack of elves or attack of humans uh, who massacred uh, elves in Blood River. And uh, as you start to uh, discuss with folks and people, um, you start to understand that there's something more. Uh, uh, Somebody in the, of course, in the path of truth, is being untruthful or is uh, twisting the truth about uh, the elves to uh, incite, uh, incite uh, racial uh, hatred and um, the murder of innocent elves um, and peaceful folks who are defending just themselves in this situation. Um, and it seems somebody manipulated uh, hateful humans to uh, to achieve that. And uh, on the path of courage, uh, you are sent to investigate uh, the presence of uh, restless spirits who are, uh, called force guides, geists. And uh, next to each appearance of the spirits, you see uh, bodies, but bodies of uh, the guards of no guard. And there's a very good explanation of why you don't see civilians dead. And I found it a very interesting uh, reflection about uh, courage and what you are uh, allowed to do to defend uh, your charges. So, so far, I sunk in something like uh, 15 hours. Uh, the game is very nice, very beautiful. Uh, I make keep playing in the solo online. I was meant to play or I, I meant to play only solo offline but after listening to uh, an older Lord British interview, he suggested uh, that we at least try solo online. I think I'm going to keep this uh, solo online thing for the time. Now, next uh, week, I think, is the release of uh, of build number 52, uh, which will bring more content and some companions in the game. And I'm very good to see what they have to offer uh, in the storyline, how it will uh, develop. Uh, I must say that uh, previous to this recent uh, emulation of the story mode, I was very skeptical of. Uh, of being able to play uh, a non-MMO story 
Uh, and right now, I'm very, very, very happy and really hope that uh, can see uh, chapter two and chapter to chapter five being released in the next uh, few years. Uh, and I think that's all for now. For me, that's going to partially, uh, I mean, eventually. Um, and because of its MMO nature, like this, as I mentioned just you know a bit ago when we were talking about Kingdoms of Mavo, Kingdoms of Amalar, uh, I am way behind on games because I just don't let myself start big long things uh, while I'm still working on Dark Unknown. I haven't played any of the Mass Effect games yet, um, but because of the MMO nature of Shroud, I am to at least get some playing in while I know people who are playing it. So the extent to which I carve out some time and play some myself uh, as someone who did back it, you know, at a level such that I have a pretty nice house out there. Um, <laughs> I know that. Uh, will depend on how much further tweaking it sounds like they're going to give the single player story even after yeah. release. Like yeah. they've settled on, we're releasing soon. You know, we're good enough to call it a release. That doesn't necessarily mean that at that point, they're going to say uh, everything is where we want it to be, except for bug fixes. Like if they say we've got all of the single player story to what we set out to make and we'll continue to fix bugs as we see them and tweak balance stuff, I will say, okay, good enough. And uh, I will jump in and start, you know, start the story over because all I did actually was go through the tutorial section and then start running around to find a place to put my house. Um, and, uh, and then go through and actually start playing the single player start. I will not uh, try to get involved in the economy uh, or any of the like social role play packs layer type stuff. Cause that I definitely don't have time for like doing what I can do on my own time. Uh, I will do, but uh, I'm not going to, um, I, I don't expect that I'll be able to get in and, get involved with anything where it's like, and we're doing a dungeon run this time or a social event at this time. Um, so that's, that's my answer. Uh, Save vs. Dragon just said that he's running off, but I don't know if he has anything uh, last he wants to say before he disappears. Disappear. No, doesn't sound like it, although I see they just type in. I understand the feeling about Shroud of Yavatar. When I, back, when I backed the game uh, early on, I was, uh, I was wondering if it was if it was going to be a, a, a Richard Garriott game, single-player game with online components, that's what mm -hmm. I expected from the from the game, from the advocate Kickstarter, and it changed into the, the spiritual successor to Ultima Online, uh, and I'm less interested in to the online components. Uh, it's not well, it's not a bad thing, but I think it. Uh, it degrades, if you will, the quality of the storytelling. So what I'm waiting, and I'm going to try it, I think, is when they release the game, because I've seen something like about companions, mm -hmm. uh, I try the solo game, offline solo game, and see if it holds together. 
But I'm a bit afraid because, uh, like you said in just a, a couple of uh, moments ago, I'm not sure they balance the game for solo playing. I'm, I'm a little wary of that. Uh, but I think for the Ultima community, it's one of the best, maybe last opportunity to see uh, Richard Garriott game be released uh, as part of a, a fantasy Ultima type game. And I'm curious to see if my expectations holds against the final product. I'm a bit fearful of trying it. Just I'm a bit fearful of being disappointed. Yeah, the last I I have not been paying a lot of attention to the uh, update emails uh, from the Kickstarter, though I did at least uh, make sure that my physical address was correct. Um, but uh, yeah, the the companions in single player offline. The the biggest concern that I had heard for a while was that they're not available in uh, the selectively online, like the version where uh, you can see like yeah. the player run towns and people's merchants and stuff, but you're not actually playing with other people. And there was a point at least, and I don't know if it is still the case, where the companions were not available there, and therefore the game was kind of impossible to progress past a certain point in. Uh, I believe that they were saying that they're going to figure out how to get the companions in there. I guess their concern was having a bunch of people that are visible to other online people all running around with the same companions following them around. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they'll figure out some way to make that an acceptable break from immersion um, in, uh, in support of the wow. gameplay uh, in, in one of those places where they, they're at loggerheads. I, I don't know. Did you play... Uh... Uh, the that old MMO game that is uh, Guild Wars. I had not played Guild Wars. Okay, because in Guild Wars, uh, when you are, well, it's an MMO game, so you can play with your friends, but you can also uh, recruit. Uh, there's not, there are not role play companions, if you will, but you can, uh, you can recruit uh, other NPC characters who can follow you in the instances of the game. So if you are one player short, you can get one IA uh, player with you. Mm-hmm. It's not fully-fledged companion with dialogues and stories and quests, but you can have help for the mechanical part of the game, if you will. And that's something that's, that is interesting. If you are looking to balance uh, or create... Uh, create a solo game out of a multiplayer game, maybe. But I understand it's not easy to have tag-along IA companions with you, especially if you are not uh, working on a party system from the get-go. Right. Um, Like uh, Star Wars The Old Republic uh, has uh, companions where you can get extra people to show up if you're trying to run instances without other actual human beings, but it has the advantage that you only do this in the instances. And so not in a place where other people are going to see you running around with them. 
But you have also companion in a more RPG traditional style, where you can uh, follow the quest, the quest line, uh, the personal quest lines, and outfit them, and right. and fall in love with them. So it's it's this uh, this two types of companions that you have. And because, because of the nature of Shroud of the Avatar as more of a MMO game, uh, I don't think they took that much time to develop this aspect of the game. And it's, it's, it's perfectly okay with me, but it makes uh, the solo experience maybe harder to balance for them. Yeah, it likely is. Did you play UO? I don't remember. Which did you play Ultima one? Online? Ah, yes, but uh, I played it in its uh, early days, uh, 1997, mm-hmm. and until something like 2000, 2001, maybe. But uh, I dropped out and in from time to time because I, back then, I, tr- I decided to try every MMO that was released. So uh, I tried Shroud of the Avatar, then I tried Evercrest, then I tried, what was um Ashram Skull. Yes, Ashram Skull is still one of my favorite games. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain why. Uh, I think it's uh, because the, the, the team was very dedicated to, uh, to uh, updating the world uh, on a very uh, rapid basis outside of expansion packs. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the original Ashram's game had something like two expansions, and the Ashram's Call 2 had only one. And uh, still, both, both of them were great games. Uh, you had some freedom, you had the start of something that, that would appear later in other MMOs, like binding your soul to, uh, to a place through crystals. Uh, and it was revolutionary because uh, before that uh, you were you were either losing your your body in Ultima Online, or you had to have a, I think it was a shaman class in EverQuest who could bind you to to the next uh, start of the region. Uh, you decided to uh, to go doing quests, and sadly, Ashen's Call didn't have the success. It, uh, merited because um, another game was going around the corner and it was Dark Age of Camelot with mm-hmm. its great realm of his realm and, and it continued on maybe until, until the release of World of Warcraft we had this, this succession of, of MMOs and one of the games I, I really wanted to see but never materialized was Ultima Line 2 because uh, I, as much as I liked Ultima Online, um, very fast, I, in, in my on my servers, I found that it was difficult to um, to play uh, to play it uh, and to uh, to be um, how to say that self uh, self sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you want just to have fun and role play your character. I mean, I. I made subpar character in Ultima Online just because they'd fit in my concept of my character. But then you were confronted with the reality of a game with uh, monsters and and uh, PKs and just your character death and being unable to retrieve your objects or things like that. So um, 
it made the experience a bit sour, if you will. Mm-hmm. And in the, late, in the later years, my server was, was overcrowded. So when you went from, from a town to a wilderness, it took you some time to actually go in the, wild, in, in the wild because there were so many housings just outside of the city. But right. you, you didn't have this feeling of, uh, of wonder that uh, Ultima Online had at its start. And Ultima Online 2 had this interesting thing that uh, I think never materialized in any other uh, uh, MMORPG. It was um, going to, to give some zones as being uh, buildable and not others. So you kept, you, you kept the world from being overcrowded. Should of the Avatar does something like that, but it's, it's different because it's, uh, you still, you're moving on, uh, on two maps, from right. the local maps to the, to the global maps. This would have been done in the more uh, traditional MMO style where you have a, a, a single map with zoning. Um, I, I step off my, my sub. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of, uh, a game that has done that. Like it's either been, UO style, it's everywhere, or if there's housing at all, it's instanced, yeah. like RPG Camelot did. And most of the game did that later on. Uh, it's even uh, the, the last game I can uh, we, uh, I can think of, uh, about is uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, where you have uh, housing, but but it's instanced. You can you can invite people right inside, but you cannot show them the outside. And, right. I'm not sure and, if Shadowbane did it. That's the one I, that I can think of that might have. I, I can't remember because Shadowbane was a very PvP-oriented game. And I suck at them. Right. <laughs> so so uh, I bought it, I tried to play it, uh, but I never committed enough to, uh, to buy some housing. So um, hard, to, uh, hard to say. There's been a glut of uh, MMO released at the cusp of... Uh, of the century around 1999, 2001, some game just appeared, popped, lived six months, and disappeared. Maybe some tried something like that, but a, a truly, uh, how to say that, uh, more uh, more Lego-oriented uh, MMO uh, doesn't exist right now on the market. Maybe Shroud, but Shroud is a different kind of game too. Um, it tries more to recapture the flavor of the community of uh, of the game rather than the, the building as- aspects of the living uh, living world cre- uh, type uh, game. Right. But that's a that's one aspect. I'm not sure I'm gonna be invested a lot in in short because because I tend to have. Uh, Expectation from other role-playing games uh, right now. Uh, the fact that you have to go through the community and through uh, uh, through community vendors to get your stuff, uh, rather than than NPC vendors, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not easy if you are uh, if you if you don't have a lot of committed time to to uh, to do some MMO game to develop uh, crafting skills, and if you are uh, if you can't progress in the game without getting through community produce content, I'm not sure it's 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 a good design decision. 
if you will. Right. Because I'm not sure. I'm just not, I don't think I'm young enough to have the time <laughs> to play any MMOs anymore to the well, level that I used to. Well, I'm 43 right now. And I have two kids, a wife. Still, uh, I, I'm being able to, uh, to commit some time to playing MMOs, but certainly not uh, playing all the night like I did it when I was 20 years old. Yes. Um, and some, some games have, have evolved in the way uh, of allowing us uh, a less committed experience. Um, I'm playing, I'm, I've started to replay World of Warcraft recently. Because one of my uh, friends at work is uh, is playing that in a guild and doing raids and things like that, he said, "Why why don't you join us uh, from time to time?" I said, "Well, why not?" So I discovered that yes, you can play these games, maybe two hours uh, of time, and it works well because they change the way um, they expect you to play the game. You can still play on the hard mode with doing mythic dungeons and things like that, and doing red and doing doing PvP uh, PvP instances, and you can you can play the game on on some smaller bite-sized chunks if you will, and and it's it plays well. The only difficulty I'm, you may have with uh, with rapid release games like World of Warcraft is that the storytelling won't be as good. As, as if you had played it uh, from the from the get go. Why? Because they release patches that add content and release uh, expansion packs, and sometimes uh, the story experience can be disjointed, if you will, uh, because you you'd experience something that that people didn't do uh, until the next patch of expansion pack, mm-hmm. and sometimes you you uh, you'd you you, uh, you wouldn't uh, because you outgrew in level content, uh, you won't go to the end of the quest line and discover uh, the start of the next by accident. But beyond that, you can play on a more uh, uh, less hardcore experience, which wasn't the case when uh, things like EverQuest was released. EverQuest, uh, because of the harsher penalty experience, because of the group experience you were forced in, starting with level 5, you couldn't do that. You had to be more committed uh, to MMO experience, MMO playing. But games like World of Warcraft, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and um, The Elder Scrolls Online allow you to have a really nice uh, MMO solo experience, if you will. But still, none of this game can, uh, can mask the fact that um, a good solo game Will will deliver a better, better um, story experience? I think. Yeah, I guess like I'm either playing it to play with people, which is something that I have trouble finding time for, uh, or I'm playing a game for the story, and I at that point would rather just be playing Mass Effect. Yeah, but then that's that's the point uh, I had to start with uh, Shroud of the Avatar. Shroud Avatar is the first game uh, that may allow you to experience a solo Richard Garriott story type since Ultima 9. Because um, 
the last uh, the last games that we had released uh, released were MMOs. Right. And I'm tempted to uh, to try the game uh, right now because they advertise that the uh, quests, uh, the, the main quests, are done, and that we have companions. So maybe, maybe I can uh, forego all the trappings of the MMO and just start playing a game like I did, well, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. or even more. But what terrifies me is, I remember the, uh, the Ultima games for what they were at the time. They were great games, and each game had this uh, progression of uh, this, this uh, marvelous technical progression types. When you move from Ultima 5 to Ultima 6 to Ultima 7 to Ultima 9, you see, you see, uh, you see oh, the origin folks trying to reinvent the uh, the Ultima engines every time. Right. And each time you add a story, uh, a new story type, and like like uh, can I've said before, uh, Ultima Six is certainly one of the best game because of the the twist. Um, Ultima Five, Ultima Seven were great games. Ultima 8 and was already leaning on the on the more uh, arcade uh, and sacrifice content uh, type of Ultima games, which became even more prevalent for me in Ultima 9. Right. But I, I loved this game, and it took me a long time just to play Ultima 9 to the end because I didn't want to see an end to the to the series. It's not that it was a bad game, just that I wouldn't like to see the end of the Avatar on the Ultima series. Right, so, sure. So, I'm not sure about Shroud. I, I'm not sure how it's, how it's positioned in, in, the, in the Ultima, um, in my Ultima art, if you will. Is it something of a reboot? Is it something of a continuation? Um, will I found uh, everything I expect from an Ultima game in that solo game, or will it be uh, more like a, a poorly... I'm, I don't like to say that, but a, a poorly done fan attempt at an Ultima game. Hey, now. You know? Because, because <laughs> I, I, I don't like to say that, but you, you, you understand what I want to say. It's, I'm, I'm feeling that by making the game more of an MMO experience, we will get a RPG light experience in a solo game, uh, and things like they can be uh, shrug off in a MMO uh, game don't don't work well. Uh, are more prevalent errors of continuity, errors storytelling storytelling bits that you that you don't have in the game. Uh, difficulty of the game that don't. Uh, that don't uh, get well with uh, what is expected from you in the game. I I don't know. I'm I mean I'm sure that Richard Garriott did what he wanted to do uh, for the for the MMO aspect. I'm not sure they were very uh, invested in the solo experience until the last couple of months, and it terrifies me. I think what's going to be interesting actually is. Um, whenever chapter two comes out, <laughs> if 
it comes because, out. <laughs> yes, if it comes out. Assuming that it sticks to the original plan of five chapters, each one yes. introducing an additional land, uh, and with the story continuing such that the full intended story runs for across these five chapters, uh, possibly uh, able to go back and forth, but that, uh, you know, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to hold it against it if you uh, if you have to play chapter two before you play chapter three. Uh, that's probably more likely to make it easier for them to do a continuous uh, game experience. But the thing is, at that point, that will be a, a major release. By that point, like the MMO stuff will be there. It'll be in. This is, as a continuation of the story, it's not, I mean, I guess they might use it as, as an excuse to change some of the MMO mechanics the way that, you know, a WoW expansion might come out and they announce that they're going to squish the stats or they're, they're getting rid of spell power and spell damage or things like that. So there, there will be some changes, but I mean, by that time, the design of the MMO part should be pretty much done. And so each additional chapter will add more content and it might include more, you know, dungeons that require a group and raids and other things that are part of the MMO experience. But I feel like at that point, when the next chapter comes out, even just calling it a chapter is kind of an explicit nod towards it continuing the story. And while, of course, people playing it as an MMO playing through story, just like they are in World Warcraft or the Old Republic, uh, hopefully that will be the, the opportunity where they will have done an entire release from start to finish with more of the single-player experience in mind. So I would not be too surprised if the single-player experience winds up being, I'm not going to say half-baked, but you know, three-quarters yeah. baked uh, yeah. until that point, assuming, as you say, uh, they actually do stick to that that plan, that they financially can stick to that plan. Well, we'll have to see I, how that goes. Let's see how it goes. But um, I'm pretty sure, I wouldn't bet on that, but I'm pretty sure that... Uh, if they start, if they decide to release chapter two, and chapter three, and chapter four, and chapter five, uh, they may redo a Kickstarter just to, uh, to get starting. But well, the, the, the idea about the chapters release uh, would be that that the the main work be, uh, behind the game mechanic uh, mechanics uh, uh, and graphical assets and things like that. Have evolved enough for them to reuse a lot of parts. Yes, uh, and just just do story expansions. No, well, I'm not Richard Garriott or the team at Portalium, so I can I can speak for them. But I I would like to see what they have in store for the for the next chapters. And one of the thing I was wondering uh, about this. Uh, uh, er uh, sold out uh, things uh, that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. Was let's imagine that uh, EA, EA is is sold to a new new entity like Microsoft, and Microsoft decide to, uh, to to not capitalize on all the license and offers them to uh, to to uh, 
to be bowed out by someone else. What if now, in 2020, let's say, Richard Garriott is able to to acquire the, the rights to the Ultima name again? Do you think uh, that he would do as he suggested and make Shroud of the Avatar the official continuation of Britannia? If hypothetically Richard Orlerium acquired the rights and licenses to Ultima, then yes, I expect he probably would. But I don't because think, I don't think he could would want to split the resources that are obviously tight already and try to do a separate thing with it. And he also, if he was going to bother acquiring it, he's going to do something with it. So I think that's the most logical thing that would happen in that uh, hypothetical. Because uh, if you if you uh, if you look at all the nods and things that he, that the team at Portalorium did, especially with the map of uh, the other continents of uh, of New Britannia, uh, I can shake off the, uh, the feeling that we are looking at uh, some some sort of continuation of the story of a what if. Uh, what if uh, Britannia had been destroyed in Ultima 9 and was reborn as, as the board of Shroud of Avatar? It's something I, I, I look at that and I say, why not? Why not? But by making the, the, the connection and bringing back the, the name in the game, maybe they, maybe can, can grow it, grow it more, maybe, uh, as a community, as, an ability to work with other creative teams, uh, maybe. Maybe if Richard Garriott was uh, was the license holder for Ultima, uh, we'd have a smaller studio working on the Ultima type games. Who can say, really? Yeah. But uh, I, however, am in dire need of a drink. It's okay for me. It's six fifteen in the morning. I have a lot of things to do before my kids get up. Fair enough. Well, it has been nice talking to you. Nice. Uh, next time, and check on the GMT time. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, we, we we actually you know we mentioned you when we started. We're like daylight savings is different in Europe than here. Is he going to show up exactly an hour in? Oh well, yeah. and then you did. Hey. Yes. So, um, right. I didn't. I didn't think about it. I just. Uh, I just put my my alarm on on the same hour as every time. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am. And we but didn't think been... about it either to like. No. Make but... a note in posts about it. Hey, make sure to check I... your times. Sadly, I think I'm the only one on the other side of the Atlantic to uh, to log in for a discussion. So, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, and... Yeah, uh, I think you you're the only one who. With any regularity that I can think of, but certainly I, you know, half of the clocks in my house still have the wrong time. So giving people the reminder is always a good idea if we think of it, but we didn't. Well, and, uh, I think on the Facebook page, you have an automatic uh, suggestion of time, but I didn't check it. Yeah. I, I just, I just took the assumption that it was going to be the same, uh, the same hour again, which is not a problem for the next time. Yeah. Um, with that, I think we all, all have things to do. So okay. thank you for the discussion and see Likewise. you next time. Indeed. Bye. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email 
at ultimacodex at gmail.com, or if you're feeling a bit braver, you can leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. You're also welcome to join us on Discord to chat with us and to lurk or contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. If you want to join the Ultimate Dragons, you can do so at udic.org, where at you can choose your very own dragon name. You can also find the Ultimate Dragons on Facebook and on Google+. You can follow at Ultima Dragons on Twitter, or join them on Slack or Discord. And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. If you'd like to support Spam 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 Humbug, you can do so at Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live for everyone else. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio on occasion and possibly other interesting content. But if a monthly subscription isn't your thing, you can always buy your video games at GOG. We are a partner of that fine site, and every time you buy one or more games at GOG via the links on our websites or in the show notes, that helps us out. But we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. And you're welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam 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 Humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spamspamspamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous. Be virtuous.